in this session on the Creative Studio Academy, we're going to be diving deeper into blogging. Specifically, we're going to look at some different things we could do as far as the design and the layout of our websites. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Creative Studio Academy. This is the podcast to help you learn and explore how you can start and improve your skills with online content creation. My name is Joshua Rivers, and I will be your guide on this journey. Hello and welcome back to the Creative Studio Academy. This is session number six in this second semester. And so we are excited to be able to continue our journey into blogging. And so if you haven't checked out the previous um, episodes, previous sessions regarding blogging, you can go back to the website creativestudio.academy and you can check out those previous episodes there to be able to get some more information. Plus, there are some blog posts there as well that cover the same topic that can be able to help you as well, especially if you're just getting started. It's a great way to be able to get started with this. So today, we're going to talk about design and layout um, as we look at our website, as we look at our blog, and so some different things that we can be able to consider when we are setting this up. And so just a couple simple things that we're going to look at before we do that, though, I do want to say Happy New Year to you. And so this is coming out on December 31st of 2014. And so New Year's Eve. And so definitely want to say Happy New Year to you. Hopefully that uh, you are having a safe and happy holiday as you do this. Hopefully your Christmas was good if you celebrate Christmas or whatever holiday it is that you celebrate at this time. And so definitely want to say thank you to you as well for taking the time to listen and to hopefully be able to take action on the things that we're going to be talking about. And so as you look at the design and layout for our websites, there's a lot of different things that you could be able to look at. There's a lot of different styles that are out there. And so, as we've mentioned several times already, I prefer to use WordPress when setting up websites and using that as the platform for the entire website. And so, WordPress comes with a lot of great things to be able to uh, host your website, to be able to have the theme, to be able to have different plugins that add additional features to your website, and it's just easy to be able to manage and maintain the content as you are creating blog posts. You can be able to manage the comments. You can do all kinds of things on the back end, depending on what kind of plugins that you get as well. And so it just makes it really easy and very simple to be able to uh, keep up with it. Now, sometimes there is a little bit of a learning curve as you get started, But usually, if you just get a little bit of help, you can be able to get over those and be able to maintain a lot of it yourself. And so looking at that, one of the first things that we want to look at is the theme. There's a lot of different options that you can look at regarding the theme for your website. And so the theme is like the skin, if you will, or the clothes um, of your website. And so it's what the 
appearances that you look. And so it usually would dictate the layout and it will dictate the colors and the different things visually that you see on your website. And so with the themes, there's a lot of different options that you could be able to look at. There's um, a bunch of free themes. There's thousands of free themes that are available through WordPress.org. And so when you have a self-hosted WordPress, you can uh, just go to over on your uh, menu bar. You can go over to appearances and themes and just right there, you can be able to search WordPress.net for all the different themes that they have there. It's amazing the number of different themes that are there. And if you're not careful, you can get overwhelmed with the number that's there. But there's some search features there to help you be able to narrow down what you're looking for. You can search based on color and you can search based on the number of columns and all kinds of different options there to help you be able to narrow down. You can even type in some different keywords that you want to look for. Now, this isn't uh, completely accurate in all cases because part of it depends on how the theme author has done their keywords and it and so they may word something a little differently than what you might but this at least can get you a good start and so you can be able to find a bunch of different free themes that can be able to do what you need done for your website there's also premium themes that are out there these are themes that you can pay for and there's a lot of different ways you could be able to do this. One way is just through a person's website. And so there are different uh, theme developers that have their own website where they have uh, themes that they've designed and they have available for purchase through their own website, through their own uh, uh, server there. And you can be able to do it that way. Um, and you can get a lot of great deals this way. You can get a lot of great themes this way, but there is always a chance that there could be something wrong. And so you always want to be careful. You want to make sure that you do your research, make sure that you um, are checking up on the developer uh, before you dive into one of their themes. And so you don't want to get something that is full of bugs and uh, has some viruses or anything like that that's in there that uh, would be a detriment to yourself or to your visitors. And so you want to be uh, careful of that, but that doesn't mean you can't use that. There's also other uh, sites where you can be able to purchase themes that have been already scanned and they have to go through a process before they can be able to get on there. And so one place is themeforest.net. And so I purchased, uh, I believe, one theme through here for a client site that I did a little while back. Um, and so they have a lot of options on there to be able to find these themes and they have a, um, a lot of different options. Usually premium themes have a lot of additional options and features that um, pre, uh, free themes don't have. And so that can be good and it can be bad in some cases. And so we'll discuss some of the um, pros and cons in a different time. But one of the things is that if there is a feature that is built into the theme and you change themes later on down the road, you will then lose that functionality. Um, and so you want to be careful about doing that because you don't want to have um, a certain feature that is on your website and you're thinking that's just part of the website and that it's not going to change just because you um, 
quote unquote change your clothes, you change the theme, uh, but it's tied in with it. So you got to be careful of some of those things. And so that doesn't mean that you can't change themes. It just means you need to be aware of what is tied to the theme and what is not so that you know what you need to change over and what you need to account for when you do make changes. But there's premium themes and there could be a lot of great choices. Uh, there's premium themes that you can get for a couple dollars, reaching up to a couple hundred dollars um, and possibly even more than that, depending on um, the, the exact customization that you want. There's some themes where you can be able to uh, purchase it, but then there's still a bunch of other people that can purchase it as well. And so it's not completely unique. Uh, and if you want to get a completely unique website, uh, usually you got to pay a lot more, sometimes up into the thousands of dollars. And so there's a lot of options. And then there's also, um, besides free themes and premium themes, something that's a, kind of a variation of a premium theme is a framework. And one such framework is the Genesis framework. And that is something that I use quite a bit in the websites that I design. And so it has a great basis. And so what that is, is it kind of takes the theme and it uh, kind of breaks it up a little bit to the, uh, a little bit more of the structure and then the, uh, the clothes. And so a lot of themes, it'll not just be like the clothes, or if we want to compare it to a car, it's not just the, uh, the paint job on the car, but it, it also kind of includes the, the frame and, uh, different aspects of there. Whereas a framework, uh, splits it up a little bit to where there's the frame of the car and then there's the exterior. Um, and so and that's done with a child theme. A child theme is something that is kind of overlaid on the framework or what's called a parent theme. And so you have the main theme and then you have the child theme that's there. And basically, uh, it's kind of, uh, if you remember back to when you're a kid or maybe even, even an adult and you had tracing paper, you put that tracing paper over top of whatever it is that you're trying to trace over and you, you trace over. So you have the the uh, original below it. And then you have uh, the, you can see the original through the uh, tracing paper, but then whatever you draw on that tracing paper is what's predominant. And what you see, you can take that tracing paper away and then you see just the original. That's kind of the way that it works with um, parent themes and child themes. That's how it works with frameworks. And so the only thing is with frameworks, you usually don't have just the framework itself. You usually have a child theme that works along with it. And so Genesis Frameworks is a really great thing to be able to use. It does cost some money. And a couple of years ago, I purchased the developer's package. Um, I think I paid about $300 and I was able to get the uh, Genesis Framework plus all of the child themes that they have. Um, and there's dozens of different child themes that they have there. So I can be able to use those and I get all the updates and all the new ones that they add. And so I've been able to see the different new ones that they've added through the last couple of years. And so I've been able to update my own sites as I see some different updates there and some new styles and different things like that as they come along. And so that's kind of the basis there is you, you need to pick your theme. And so now there's not any one theme that's right for everybody because everybody's needs are different. And so part of it will depend on the money that you have. What is, what's your budget? And so if you don't have any money, then you're going to be limited to the free ones. 
Now, if you do have some money to where you can pay, that doesn't mean that you have to pay for a theme because uh, there have been a couple times when a free theme is what did the job. And so you just got to look around. You just got to take a little bit of time. Don't rush the the time spent in finding the theme. Now, you don't want to spend too much time that you don't end up creating content and you just get stuck in the process of planning. But you want to take enough time to where you're really looking and trying to find the best theme possible to be able to fit what you're doing. And so uh, you, you want to be able to do that. So after you get your theme, one thing that you want to look for is you want it to be a clean look. And so there's, um, I, I did one client site, uh, it was about two years ago. And as we were going through and trying to redesign their site, they already had an existing site um, that was not WordPress. And I was trying to get it set up on a WordPress theme and try to get everything transferred over. It was a realtor site. And we were looking at different things, and I found um, what I thought was going to be a perfect theme for it. And so I installed it, and I started setting it all up. And then uh, she was wanting to make some changes, and she ended up getting on a conference call uh, with someone that kind of specialized in some realtor websites. And he was giving some advice that I don't agree with, um, but she wanted to go ahead with his advice and his advice was basically to get as many calls to action as possible on the top of the website. And so um, they call it above the fold. So whenever you first go to a website, whatever that is that you see there, first of all, on the screen. And so he was saying, you want to get as many different options there so that people can be able to see all the different things that they can be able to do on the website. And, there are there is that type of mentality that's out there just to try to cram as much in as possible but then on the other side there's the uh the clean look there's the simplicity the minimalism and that is that you want to have as few options available and so and the thinking behind that is is that when there's too many options that are available to somebody usually then they end up choosing none of the options they don't make a decision on what what they need to do next and so they get overloaded with how many things are there and they just don't do anything they don't take any action they go away and so now that doesn't happen for everybody um but generally speaking as they've done studies that that is the case and so um they want to have as little as possible to distract people from what it is that you want them to do. A general rule is that on each page of your website, you generally want to have one call to action. You want one thing that you want the reader to do. And so now there might be a couple little small things here and there, but there should be one main call to action and you don't want to detract from that call to action. And so if your main call to action is that you want somebody to sign up for a newsletter, then you want to make sure that it's obvious when they get to the website that that is what they're supposed to do next. And so, but if they're distracted with a whole bunch of other links and a whole bunch of other options and pictures and different things like that, uh, the pictures may not be so bad. But I mean, when there's other links and other things for them to choose then they can get distracted and they never sign up for that newsletter because they found this other link that you had on your website. And so that doesn't mean, again, that you don't have to have any links, 
But again, you want to try to make it easy for them to be able to see and understand what it is that they're supposed to do. And so you want to have a clean layout there. Now there's a balance uh, that that needs to take place in many cases. Um, And part of this thought here with having a clean layout, this minimalism kind of thought is uh, has to do with the sidebar. And so the sidebar is uh, a lot of times on websites, you'll go to it, you'll have two different columns that go down the website. There's one that's a wide column that takes up half or more of your screen. And then there's another column that is less than half and possibly even a quarter. So just kind of a little sliver on uh, either the left side or the right side. And that's the sidebar. Now, there's been a debate back and forth as to whether or not you should have that sidebar, and then if you do, what you should have in that sidebar. And so going with the, if you want to go minimal and you want to have as little as possible, then you want to eliminate the sidebar because when you have that sidebar, it's just extra things there that distract you from the main content, which is what the people should be coming to your website for. The sidebar should just be for additionals, just some extra things that um, may be helpful. And so there's other options that if you eliminate the sidebar, there's other options that you can be able to do to be able to still have those options available. They would just be in a different place. And a good place for that could be on the footer at the bottom of the website. So after they read your blog post or whatever page they're on, they read the main part of the content, they get to the bottom, they can see the other options now as far as where they can be able to go. So hopefully you can get it set up to where you have all the header stuff. So you have the name of your website, you have the title of the page, the title of the post, you have the blog post that's there and all the content that's involved in that. And so you have the relevant picture, you have some different things, the headings and all the uh, different uh, blocks of text uh, that you have broken down, uh, which if you want to listen back to some of the previous posts and some of the blog posts that have written, you can go to creativestudio.academy and be able to look that up and you can be able to uh, see a little bit more what you should have in your content and so then you have this content section then after that you can have the section there for comments and also usually there near the bottom uh, sometimes just before the comments you'll have a place where you can have some social sharing but uh, buttons uh, to where they can be able to then share it on facebook twitter and all the different social networks so that, I mean, you want to, I mean, hopefully they get to the end of the article, they liked it, and hopefully then they'll want to share it with their people that they have in their social networks. And so you can have that available right there because that's a good call to action. And usually that doesn't take them away from your site. It's just they they click on it and sometimes they have a little um, pop-up will come up and they just click the okay button or, uh, whatever it is. And then it'll come right back to the website and then it's right there for them to be able to leave a comment. And so, because that's something you want to try to encourage is to be able to do that. And we talked about comments in the previous session on this podcast. And so back in session number five, and then just below the comments, that is where you can have these other calls to action in the footer. And so obviously you don't want to have too many, but that's where you can place some of those. So if you have uh, some services or uh, some products or something like that that you want to highlight, 
And so you can be able to do that. Of course, there's other options that you can be able to have as well. But if you want to eliminate the sidebar, that's one option that you have. And so now if you do have the sidebar, again, it's going to be a little bit extra distraction as someone is reading it. There's going to be a little less space from side to side for your content, um, which is not necessarily the worst thing. But again, a little less there and a little bit more distraction. You want to try to keep the things in the sidebar to things that are relevant. And so some common things that you might find in the sidebar is the author name. So your name as the owner of the blog, you can have your name there. You can have um, sometimes there's a, a, a widget that you can be able to put in there that gives your uh, bio. So just a little short bio and um, maybe a picture of yourself. And so just kind of give people an idea of who you are and uh, kind of put a face behind who's writing it. Um, you can have some subscribe buttons. And so because you want people to uh, subscribe to your newsletter. Um, and so for this podcast, um, I have on the website, I have um, a plugin called social share and subscribe. Um, or social subscribe and share or something like that. Um, social subscribe and follow uh, plugin, excuse me. Uh, and that's uh, from Daniel J. Lewis. And he was on the podcast back last session. And that's a plugin that he developed to make it easy for especially podcasters to be able to have some buttons on their website to help people be able to subscribe to their podcast through iTunes, through Stitcher, and then uh, through a whole bunch of other different social networks, and then also just to be able to follow. And so there's uh, Twitter and Facebook and some other things there that people can be able to follow you on. And so it's a great plugin. And so though that that's a great place to be able to um, have um, have those things. And so in the sidebar. And so not only that. And so you have the subscribe things. You have the social things. Um, then you could also have a list of categories. Uh, that's another good thing to be able to have there because as you do different blog posts and things like that, you'll have different categories of things. Now you should try to, when you blog, you should try to limit yourself to uh, one topic or uh, maybe just a handful of topics. Um, but there could be a couple different categories that you could be able to use under that. And so if you had a, um, a, a website such as, um, such as mine here, Creative Studio Academy, we talk about creating content. And so under the umbrella of creating content, there's a couple different things that we can look at. And so some of the primary things that we are looking at is blogging and podcasting. And so those are probably the two major things. And so, but then we also talked a little bit about video. We talked a little bit about social media. We talked a little bit about writing and eBooks. And so we talk about some uh, things that are related to it. And so you can have these different categories to make it easy for people to find the different information that you have. And so in a general rule too, is kind of a side note, but whenever you have um, categories, you want to minimize it to just a handful if possible. And so um, whenever you're creating a blog post, there's uh, two different things that you could be able to categorize your blog post. There's the categories and then there's tags. And so, again, the general rule is you want to have just a handful of different categories between all of your posts, but then you can have a whole bunch of different tags. 
And so um, the, the categories is just kind of the overall topic that you're looking at, whereas the tags can be a lot more specific. They're similar to keywords. And so you want to highlight the different keywords that you have in there. So if you um, talk about a certain person or a certain book or a specific um, thing within that topic, that would be a good thing for the um, uh, for the tags to be. And so, whereas the category could be blogging, a tag could be um, SEO or the tag could be um, WordPress themes or something like that. And so uh, it can be a little bit more specific in that regard. And so that's one thing that you can look at when, you, when you're having a sidebar is just having these few things that are relevant. And so some other things that could be common on a sidebar is maybe uh, links to some of the products or services that you offer. And so again, it could just be something that's over there to where they could be able to have that um, available if they're interested in looking into it. And so... Again, it could take away from the main content over on the other part of the the website. Um, But I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing if they were reading a blog post and then saw that they could hire you for something and they decided to click on that and hire you. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, And so that's one of the benefits, though, is because it can then expose people to those different things that you have. Again, it comes back to uh, different preferences. And so one way is not necessarily the right way for everybody. And so you just have to evaluate your own needs and uh, you also want to keep in mind your audience as well. What type of environment are they looking for? And so are are they wanting to have something that is clean and something that is uh, distraction free just so they can be able to read the blog post and not worry about all the other distractions? And so you just want to keep that in mind as well. And so I know uh, for me, I... I tend to like not having a sidebar. And so I've gone back and forth between having one and not having one. I know when I'm surfing and I go and I um, am reading some different blog posts, there's times when I'll go ahead and I'll print off the blog post because it was good enough to where I want to have it on a paper copy so I can go back through it and be able to highlight some things and make some notes and things like that. And so I'll go and print and to me, it's annoying when the web page prints out and there's the content that fills about half the page. And then there's the sidebar with all the advertisements and different things like that. That's all over the place. And so that's another aspect that you can be able to think of. And part of that can be built into your theme. And so that's one thing you can look at is what's it going to look like when someone tries to print. And so you want to try to make that friendly for them. And so these are just some different things you want to look at regarding the design and the layout of your website for your blog is, is these different themes. And so it starts with the theme. And so these are the different things you want to look at it with the themes. And so that's why you want to take the time to be able to pick the correct theme. Um, and you want to make sure that you do that right from the start and try to keep all these different things in mind as you go, because it makes it a lot easier if you can make the decision correctly first and then to be able to um, make as few customizations as possible as far as um, the, the functionality and the layout of it. Now, it could be good to have some different things as far as changing the colors and uh, being able to make it unique to yourself with the colors and some of the pictures and different things like that. And so you, you want to be able to do that so 
someone doesn't just come to your site and and it looks like every other site. And so you want to uh, try to make it different enough, but you want to try to minimize the amount of changes that you need to make to the overall structure of the uh, site. And so that you want to pick the right theme to be able to do that. And so that's the, uh, the main part that I wanted to talk about today regarding this. Some of the things that we're going to look at coming up is uh, some different things we can be able to do for monetization. And so I know that's a big thing that people are looking for when they start a blog, uh, especially in correlation with a business, they want to make some money from it. And so that's something that you want to be able to consider. And I, we're going to look at some different things that we can be able to do. Last semester, we did talk with Leslie Samuel from Become a Blogger, and he has his podcast, uh, Learning with Leslie. And he covers a lot of things about doing blogging as a business or having blogging part of your business. And he talks about some different monetization strategies that you could be able to use. But we'll talk a little bit about this coming up in the next uh, few weeks. And so look at some different things that we can be able to implement. And so some things that I'm going to try to implement, some things I've already done. And so try to look at some of those things there. We're going to look a little bit more at social media. Um, and some of the things we can do with social media when it comes to blogging, how we can be able to promote our uh, blog posts and how we can be able to communicate with uh, the people and be able to get a better connection with them. And so we don't want to just be spammers and uh, just sending links out all the time. Uh, so we want to have a balance uh, between that and some of the things that we can be able to do. Something I'm really wanting to work on also is email marketing. And so how can I be able to do better with my email newsletter? Now, if you've uh, been subscribed to the email newsletter, um, I've been wanting to get back to that. And the holidays have kind of put me behind. I got sick and then uh, busy with traveling. And so I, I haven't done as much with that. But then I noticed that there was um, newsletters that have been going out um, and I never made any changes to those. Um, and so I, if you're on the newsletter, I do apologize because you've gotten uh, basically the same content uh, several weeks in a row. And so I do apologize for that. My intention is to um, stop that. In fact, I have stopped that. So you shouldn't continue to receive those. And so my intention is to do a um, twice a week or not twice a week, but every other week, excuse me, biweekly newsletter. So about twice a month that you'll get updates from me. And so there'll be content on there that should be original. Plus also I will include links to the different blog posts and podcast sessions that we have just in case you want to get the, um, uh, the show notes for those, or, uh, if you haven't been able to listen to the podcast yet. And so, um, that, that is my intention with that. And I want to try to be able to do more with that. And here coming up soon, I should have that ebook ready, uh, to be able to be available for those on the email uh, newsletter as well. And so again, with the uh, holiday and everything, I kind of got behind on working on that, but I should be able to get back to putting attention into that. Um, and so I got so close and then got busy. And so hopefully I should be able to wrap it up soon and be able to have that available. And so that's another thing that we're going to be looking at. Another big thing that I really want to look at um, besides some other content things that we could be able to have on our website is um, a little bit more into SEO uh, search engine optimization. And specifically, I want to look at Google Analytics. And so that's something that I've 
only done surf on a surface level. And so I want to dive in deeper because I know there's a lot of things that we can and should do with Google Analytics so that we can be able to understand what our uh, people are doing on our sites, where they're going, and what that means for us and how we can be able to make some changes to be able to improve the experience for them when they're on our websites. So that's something I really want to do. So I'm probably going to try to get a hold of somebody that can be able to come on and share their expertise with it as well, since my experience is limited. Um, although if I can't get a hold of somebody, I will definitely share what I know and what I find. And so I'm going to be doing some research on it as well and trying to implement some different things um, here in the near future. And so um, if you have any questions uh, or comments about any of these things, I would love to be able to get your feedback on that. You can go to creativestudio.academy and you can go and you can click on the contact or the feedback button and you can easily send me a message. And there should also be a voicemail option that you can be able to call. And I lost that number. Um, here it is. Uh, you can call area code 405-771-0567. And that will send me a voicemail. And so, again, that's 405-771-0567. And so if you call that, that will give me a voicemail. And I can be able to um, either call you back or uh, just include it um, in the podcast or just use it as feedback, whatever um, is uh, appropriate depending on what you send me. And so um, if you do want to have your voice on here and you want to have me play um, your uh, clip on here and so be able to get your voice on here, I would love to be able to do that. And so be able to get some uh, of interaction from you on here. And so that would be great and fantastic. And so again, creativestudio.academy slash um, contact. I think is the the website for that. And so you could be able to uh, get that. The show notes for this episode is creativestudio.academy slash uh, C2-6 for semester two, session six. And so you should be able to go there and everything that you need for contacting uh, will be available on that page as well. And so that would probably be the best place to be able to go because you can get the show notes as well as uh, being able to get all the links to the content. And then in the sidebar, you'll see the... Um, uh, links there to be able to subscribe and so if you haven't already subscribed or left a iTunes rating uh, that would be uh, greatly appreciated and so if you do leave a five star review I will definitely give you a thanks and a shout out on the podcast and so uh, with that I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up um, and again I look forward to talking to you and hopefully I'll see you on the website or on Twitter Thank you, have a great day, and have a happy new year.